The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really love and appreciate and applaud all of you for being an intentional spirit. And I want to continue to thank you not only for being engaged and involved with our show, but sharing it with your friends and your social media Because of you, we are featured all over the world, and that's a very exciting thing. Also, I just want to give a shout out for those of you that have not been to Unity Village, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world, close to 1,500 acres in the central part of the USA. I'm doing a retreat about being intentional on June the 25th through June the 28th, 2020, and would love to see you there. You can go to unity.org forward slash deep dive. Well, speaking of deep dive and and being attentional, I have kept this amazing, amazing life coach, friend, sister phenomenon in my life um, since I have reached adulthood. And I know for some of you that might be questionable. We still have people that are in their 70s figuring out adulthood. But I would call mine in my middle 30s, and I had the good pleasure of meeting the one and only Minx Boren. Minx, thank you for being on our show today. I couldn't wait to have you because I want everybody to know who you are and what you're about. Oh, thank you so much. This is such fun. I love this. And yes, I love our very long friendship and connection on so many levels. Well, I I like to share part of the story because through our connection and uh, our, our early beginning days, I was checking in more about, you know, being intentional. And I, you have and continue to be 13 years older than, than I am. And so I, from the moment I met you, I'm like, wow, what an inspiration. What a role model, uh, totally healthy, totally vibrant. Uh, still wear the same uh, size clothes you wore in high school. Now, some people would find that very irritating, but we won't go there. We'll just stick with our topic. <laughs> but just who you were, how you showed up, how present you were. I thought, well, I, I definitely want to be me. I don't want to replace me, but I want to be able to model a lot of the characteristics, the energy, the essence, the being forever young that you always and still now have with you. And what my joke is, you know, to people, and I've told this before in community, is that when I first started hanging out with you, as much as I wanted those qualities that you had, 
I was too determined to argue my limitations. And I, I say that because there are people listening that do that very thing right now. And even though we can have the best of intentions, if we are determined to keep our heels in the sand and argue our limitations, there's very little moving forward. And so that's the way it was with Minx is that, you know, she would talk about not eating dairy and, and not eating processed foods. And I would look in her refrigerator and I would go, well, I don't even know what any of this is. You know, <laughs> what, do you, what do you eat? Do you just go pick leaves on the tree and soak them in water? And that's about it. So I was arguing my limitations. I would say, Minx, please take me to the candy store. I need, I need some kind of drug today and, you know, those kind of things. But the beauty is that you never made me wrong. You never said, wow, you're missing the mark in your life. You never shame me. You never put shit on me. You just said very clearly, you know, I continue to hold the space of what you want to be. So today, all these years later, I have people come and look in my refrigerator and say, what do you eat? <laughs> Alfalfa sprouts, um, just uh, plant protein. So Minx, big shout out. And I am obviously so grateful to the immense impact you've had in my life and continue to have. How did Thank you get you here? So How much. did you decide oh. uh, as a teenager, I'm still going to wear the same clothes I have in my 70s now. And how did you decide I'm going to be looking 40 when I'm in my 70s? What is that all about with you? It's definitely a strength and a core value. Well, I certainly don't think I thought about it much when I was at that point in my life. The big the big turnaround for me, more than any other one thing, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of illness, a lot of addiction, and I didn't know how else it could be. And then I had a son who had severe asthma as a child. And having watched the patterns of my whole family, I knew I didn't want that. I didn't want him on drugs. I didn't want him on medications. I needed to find another way. The good news is that I grew up in the restaurant business and in my grandmother's kitchen. So my hands were in dough from the time I was a very little girl, and I learned about really what food could taste like all through my teens and college and beyond. I have actually probably studied it with 40 or 50 different fabulous cooking teachers over the years. So when Reed was sick... Um, I was looking for something other than the medications that were being prescribed. I And I did a lot of research. I studied with a lot of people. I wound up taking a course with Anne-Marie Colbin in New York, who wrote the book of Whole Meals, which I actually then helped her write a second cookbook. And I got really, I took a deep dive into how do I change everything that I eat and that Reed eats into something that's healthful and nourishing, no wasted calories, no way, just everything had to matter if we were going to be really healthy. And we did it. Uh, it. It began when he was, I guess, by the time he was 10. And I managed to, we together managed to stay off the drug, to get off the drugs, to stay off the drugs, to get really healthy together. And I changed everything. And I've been living that way ever since. Not exactly the same 
I don't like the word diet because it has dye in it, but not exactly the same food program. It changes over time. What I needed as a 24-year-old is not what I need as a 74-year-old. And so I've learned to listen, really listen to my body over the years and make choices that continue to support it. It's extremely, it's extremely, it's extremely powerful because, um, health is, is really one of those things that does require advanced planning one step at a time. Don't you think? I mean, it's, it's holding the vision. I mean, I, I, people, I think that's why the motto one day at a time kind of helps people. Uh, because if you thought for the rest of your life, oh, I've, I'm going to give up alcohol for the rest of my life. How will I cope and have to fill my feelings and deal with everything in my, my head space, world space, heart space, whatever. But the, the intention of one day at a time, you wake up and 10 years have gone by 15 or whatever, you'd never consider it again. And I mm-hmm. think that's where you do such quality teaching and revealing to people is that it's the decisions that you make. I mean, we look at you, we look at Jane Fonda, we look at um, some of the other people that, you know, as a common name that we know. Um, it's because years ago they started doing things differently and now they're reaping the benefits. Yeah, and very often. I, when I think about it, I was such a pioneer back then, though I wouldn't have called myself that at that point. But in order to have healthy food, like I, I bought my own brown rice and then I would grind it and then I would make it into flour and I'd make that flour into pasta. The things that are available today make it so much easier when you go to a health food store. There was none of that back then. I would make my own tofu. I, I made everything from scratch because there was no other way. Uh, that was really available to all of us back then. So it was it was a journey and it was a big exploration. You say one day at a time. Sometimes I think it's one forkful at a time. It's really, I mean, it's just each forkful matters. It matters enough that when you put a forkful of food in your mouth, you put down your fork, you chew what's in your mouth 20 to 30 times until it's actually liquid because digestion begins in your mouth. And then you savor it while you're doing that so that your body has a chance to actually appreciate and enjoy what you're eating. So I have a reverence for food. That I think that I would put it that way. And interestingly, this is what how life evolves. So here it is now, maybe 40-something-something something years later since I began this journey, this part of the journey. And now I'm showing up at our local library and our local universities, and I'm teaching a course called Food Glorious Food, which is really about how food impacts us and impacts our our climate and impacts our world and making choices from a positive place instead of all the, I can't do this and I can't do that. And we all have these limitations rather than this joyful approach. And I I, want to be part of uh, sounding an alarm or sounding a clear bell about start by loving your food. Start by noticing how it makes you feel. Because if you, if, you, if you stay on a really healthy, if you switch to a really good fo- food program, what happens is your body starts to say thank you. It feels different. 
differently. It acts differently. There's energy that you didn't know was available to you. And so we start by listening, by actually savoring, by paying close attention to our habits as well as what we put in our mouths. And it changes things. So it's been quite a journey. That's that's so profound and and so true. And you know, we we have as a culture lost so much of the sacredness of our our feeding ourselves because it has become how fast can we do it and just give me something quick, you know, for the fix. And for about twenty, at least twenty years, if not twenty five years, I don't leave the house without packing things so that I don't ever make quick fix reactive decisions because, you know, I have to have something to eat right now. Um, and if you're tuning in I, and listening and we're hitting a chord in some way, you know, whatever you may be experiencing with your body, with your aches, with certain things, um, don't discount the fact of what food has to do with it and how it plays a role in that. Take time not to just dismiss that and discount it. And look at that. Um, we had a, a woman here uh, this past uh, weekend, uh, Minks, that she, uh, Rena Greenberg, and she's been featured on news stations and stuff like that all over the country. And and she also teaches uh, hypnosis with you know food. And um, and so she said, how many of you are concerned that you're not going to be able to be hypnotized? And you know, out of several hundred people, a few people were you know willing to raise their hand. And she said, you are hypnotized every day with commercials, with social media, telling you it's okay to do these things. You're already hypnotized. And we want to change the way you're being hypnotized to to work for you in a, in a positive. And speaking to positive, um, I want to say to those of you that are checking in with us, you can go to coachminks.com. That's coachminks, M-I-N-X dot com and see all the various things that she has achieved, Minks, in this one go round here. But one of the things that you started doing a few um, months ago, and I, I look forward to it and I want other people to tune in with you, you forward information on Facebook because often we need a social media break because it becomes people's therapy. It becomes their dumping ground. It becomes their anger management. And I'm just not into that at all, nor will I read it. But I, I love yours because you forward things that say, this gives me hope. Mm -hmm. How did that start? And what does that mean to you? It's very powerful. It means everything to me. How did it start? So I've become very much of a climate activist, a social justice activist over the past few years. And there's a story behind that book. Let me go here first. I read Joanna Macy's book called Active Hope. And I read it over over a year ago, and then I declared that my theme for the year, I have a theme every year. So last year, 2019, my theme was active hope. So it's not enough to sit around and be hopeful. How do we put that into action? How do we take steps to demonstrate our hope? And how do we also, rather than being hypnotized by the media in terms of 
everything that's negative and going wrong in our country and in the world, how do we remember all that's going right? There are people out there that are doing such inspiring things to make a difference. Who was it who said, if you don't think it can be done, get out of the way of the people who are doing it at the very least? So it's that. I decided that active hope mattered. And I don't much like social media. I don't post anything else on it except what gives me hope. So every time I come across something that's, oh, wow, these kids are doing this. Oh, that organization is doing that. Oh, the animals are doing this and hugging each other. I want to post it. And it's fun for me to post that way. I'm such a firm believer that where we turn our attention, so if we turn it to hope and then we look at how do we contribute to that hope rather than turning it to the doom and gloom and everything that's going wrong, it makes a difference. I want to be part of the hope. I want to be a hopeful voice in the world. Mm, I'm, I'm so with you. I, I, I say those kind of things similar often of if you if you really say that you are part of this beautiful world and you believe in your thoughts you believe in you know different thinking modalities that create or co-create or whatever uh, do us all a favor and stop saying negative things about the world all the time because that is a prayer you know that's thought processes is going into mm-hmm. the universe and Then, of course, I love the one by Howard Thurman that says, stop talking about what the world needs. What the world needs is for people to be alive. What makes you alive? You know, Mm -hmm. find that and be that. And that's exactly what you're saying. You have picked an area of this gives me hope or what gives me hope. And you're forwarded it around to thousands of people who are also sharing it. So it's having this amazing uh, rippling effect. Thank you for doing that. It's really great. Thank you for acknowledging it. So one of the um, the things that helps me to do that, and it's one of my favorite long-term kind of mantras, when I get down and when I think, oh, God, this is impossible or nothing's possible or everything looks so grim, grim I remember, and it's really a spiritual attitude, that no matter what we think we know, if you look, if you think about a pie and there's this tiny little wedge that's what we actually know that we know, and then there's a little bit of, bigger wedge that is what we actually know that we don't know. Well, actually, it's a pretty big, big wedge. I'm never going to learn calculus, for example. Just one of those things I don't know. But the huge part of the pie of life is what we don't even know we don't know. And it's in that realm that amazing things happen because all of a sudden something will show up, a a technology that's cleaning out the oceans. And just yesterday it was in the realm of what we didn't even know we didn't know. We didn't know that such a thing was possible. 20 years ago we didn't know that Facebook would be possible. So there's always something so far beyond our current awareness that can show up at any moment if we just are willing to say or be prayerful, please let me be open to all that is beyond what I know right now. Mm-hmm. That's so grounding and centering, isn't it? Yep. Well, what I find grounding and centering also is 
your ability to write poetry. And again, I had mentioned earlier, coachminks.com. She has all different kind of poems that are just, you know, over the top. So you can use them if you're a speaker, if you're a teacher, uh, for an orator, educator. Uh, poems are extremely um, fed to audiences and they love them and they're inspired by them, adding that flair of spoken words. So Minx has many to choose from and uh, we use them here quite often. So that is something that you've been doing for a long time. Yes, I've been writing poetry since I'm a little girl, but what I want to say about it, I'm also a writer, so I write magazine articles and I write books and I write workbooks, but poems get written through me, and that's the only way I can say it truly. They come from the realm of what I don't even know I don't know. This past year, based on something from Parker Palmer, wrote a book called On the Brink of Everything. And when he was no longer being published, and so he wanted to go back to the joy of just writing because he's a writer and he loves to write. And he began to write every day, but for no big purpose. And I took it on as a challenge. And this past year, I wrote a poem every single day. So I've written 365 poems, actually more by now. Um, and I would just, I'd sit down in the morning and just listen. I'd do my, my mindfulness, my meditation, and then I would just sit there. It didn't have to be good. It just had to get on the page. I just needed to write something. And what was amazing is that all that showed up on the page came out of the realm of what I didn't even know I don't, didn't know. I couldn't have planned for it. Sometimes afterwards, I would call you and say, you are not going to believe what showed up on the page today. You've got to listen to this because I'm as surprised and delighted by it as anyone. We all have that kind of wisdom or knowing for some of us it comes out in writing, sometimes in speaking, sometimes in song, but we all have that in us. And when we're willing to get quiet enough and present enough and non-judgmental enough, and, not, and you have to not edit when you write this way. It's, a, it's the same thing. I teach journal keeping, journal writing, and you, you don't edit. You just write, and you don't go back and look at it for months so that it can just be on the page and you can see what was discovered there because so much of it comes from that holy ground beneath our current layer of knowing. Make sense? Oh, totally. Absolutely. <clears throat> it totally does. You're just allowing yourself to be a catalyst. And that that is why you, I think one of the main reasons you're able to produce so many poems is because you don't get in the way. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I know even <clears throat> for myself, when I sit down or thought of a blog or something for Facebook, I sometimes could go to my head too quick. Maybe that's too strong or too this or too that. And so you stop the process, you know, where the mm -hmm. idea is to kind of download the whole process and then kind of go from there. Or if I'm mm -hmm. hearing you correctly, that makes it much easier is to be out of the way of that and allow it. Your poems write you. Mm. Yes, they do. My poems write me. And you know what I just thought of when you said that many years ago, so this is for everybody who's listening, another level of what Temple and I have done together, where I was trying to become a speaker because there were things I needed to say, and I was terrified, terrified of it. And so we stood in my living room, and I used a broom as a, as a microphone, right? And you stood as far away as you could so that I had to project my voice. 
And I said, but I don't have a script. It's okay. Just start speaking. And that's how you taught me to just show up and see, be surprised, be willing to be open enough to what's going to come out because it's there. And many years ago when I was teaching healthy cooking in New York, my cooking teacher said to me, the world's in too damn much trouble for you to make yourself small. You need to get over yourself and you need to teach because you know so much. And I was afraid. I had performance anxiety. And so she said, the first thing you do is you go into the closet in, in the cooking school and you leave your ego on that shelf because there is no room for your ego if you are going to be a channel for something, for that which you know or that which is known through you is another way to say it. And that's what I did. So then I could do it with cooking. And then you taught me how to actually do it in a, for a, in a larger context more and more, for which I am eternally grateful. I remember you were telling me when I get out of the chair, when it's my turn to walk up to the microphone, that I leave my small self sitting on the chair, that as I stand up, I imagine myself being draped by angels in a cloak of white light and that I, I come forward as a pure presence. It's not about me. It's not about my ego. There's someone out there who will benefit by something that's going to come out of my mouth, and I don't have to even know what that is. I just need to speak from my heart. So all these years later, I'm quoting you back again. Mm, well, it's so true, isn't it? I mean, and I know your heart, you know mine. I mean, my whole thing in this lifetime is to be, to be used uh, to serve, and the other aspect of that would be to be full of spirit rather than being full of myself. Because when I'm full of myself, I'm in my personality. When I'm full of spirit, I'm expressing my soul, my true incarnation of what I am to be. And I stood in front of hundreds of people and said, "How many of you are afraid to speak? To, uh, you know, to be a speaker?" All right, yeah, they raise their hand. Keep your hand up. How many of you have not ever been a speaker because of that reason? You know, and then I say, and so was I. And the difference between you and me is I didn't let it give me a no. I kept going. Um, so, and how many things in life would we not do if we were afraid of the outcome? Uh, very little, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. would have very few parents that, I mean, parents that had children. We'd have very few writers that wrote books or uh, lots of things because the fear can transcend us to a whole new place. We're having a lot of fun today tuning in with the mind and heart of Minx Boren. Her website is coachminx.com. And after our break today, we're going to talk about her new book. She has many but she has a new one out, and it's called Decades of Gratitude, Gusto, Grit, and Grace. And she has a lot of wisdom to share with us. Thank all of you for joining us. Visit me at templehays.com and also firstunity.org. We always love having you as part of our community, that's for sure. And for your continued support and love of Unity Online Radio, we are an amazing radio that reaches um, tens of thousands of people all over the world. Be right back after this short break.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. So delighted you're here. Again, I just want to highlight that you'll have an opportunity to be with me and Stowgood and Reverend Mark Fuss at Unity Village, June the 25th through the 28th. Go to unity.org forward slash deep dive because we're going to do some deep diving and look at transformation. And for me, I'll be doing a lot of shamanic practices and things that are somewhat unique than just talking and sharing steps for change, but you actually get to participate in your own change. And speaking of that, um, I, as you know, interview authors from all over the world, and it's definitely my pleasure to be talking today with Minx Boren and her website, coachminx.com, because of the personal value that I've always received from the pleasure and the opportunity and the humility of being called uh, one of her dearest friends. And so, Minx, you wanted to, if I like to hold it like we, we, we want to find a way in this world that we can repeat ourselves, not clone ourselves, but repeat ourselves. And so you put so much of your love and your heart into your recent book, Decades of Gratitude, Gusto, Grit, and Grace. Um, tell us about the journey of that and and what you, uh, the process you've gone through, and it hasn't been out that long, and I know that people are already writing you about the changes they've had. We want to know everything you can tell us in this window of time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh my goodness. So the book has been a lifetime in coming, is where I would begin, and in the same way that when I write poetry, especially at the beginning, I would write lots and lots of poems, and then I would read one out loud, and people say, oh, that's fabulous, where's the book? There's no book, there's a shoebox. I've been stuffing poems into a shoebox for years. Well, I've been doing the same thing with stories. I have stories, first of all, from my 20-something years as a coach, as a life coach, uh, and then as my, my whole journey in teaching cooking and health. There are lots of stories, and in those stories, there are what I call aha moments, those moments where something becomes clear, that we know something differently than we knew it before. Someone says something, we read something, we see something, and we are inspired to a whole different level. So in the first half of this hour in our conversation, I mentioned one of my best ever aha moments, which was that my cooking teacher said to me, you know too much. You can't just sit in the shadows. The world is in too much trouble for you to make yourself small. That changed my life. So that was one of them. And the whole book is a series of different aha moments in my life and also in the lives of a lot of clients that I have had the privilege of to work with. So another one, which is probably one of my very favorite ones, is We're out to dinner, my husband and I, with our son, who is at that point about maybe four years old. And so Mel and I traditionally toast to happiness. And we raised our wine glasses, so Reed chimed in, and he raised his juice glass, and he said, happy mess, with like M, like in mother, happy mess. 
And I was about to correct him and said, no, 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 sweetheart, it's happiness. And then I realized he is so right on. If we could learn how to toast and celebrate and enjoy our happy messes, we could have a phenomenal life. Letting go of that perfectionism, just being with what's so. So that was truly a very big aha moment that shape-shifted a lot for me and changed the way I looked at things, being a kind of, um, I grew up as a perfectionist. And it, it's been a lifetime of unshedding. And for any perfectionist out there, you know what I mean, how much it can get in the way of being and doing what we want. So that was a phenomenal aha moment. Another one was someone at some point, I was talking about something that I know. And someone said, or I read, I don't even remember where it came from, knowing isn't doing. And that was such an aha. We all know so much. But unless we do, we know we should brush our teeth, teeth, but unless we do, so what? I know a lot about healthy food. So when people ask me about what to eat, and there's never one answer, by the way. We are all biologically unique and we change over time. So there's no one food program that works for anyone or for everyone all the time. And so in that moment of understanding that, Knowing isn't doing. It meant that every choice I made had to reflect what I know. Uh, otherwise, it's just wasted energy. So that was another aha. And the book, I, I wrote it because I wanted these. I, I use them when I speak. I've been doing coaching. I've been doing groups for so many years now. But I took like the gems of a lifetime of learning. I'm 74, so it's decades of gratitude, gusto, grit, and grace. What I was looking for is what are the aha moments that totally took my life to, to a next level, an unimaginable level, again and again and again, because we're all capable of those if we pay attention. And if when we do pay attention and something happens, and now we know, we do something about it. So that's a good place to begin. And that's a... <clears throat> that's a, a lot of power in, in what you just said for sure. And I just want to, I want to say in this that um, if you want to see what 74 could really look like, if you were willing to be clear and get courageous and every now and then allow yourself. So you can see that, you know, that's like St. Jane Fonda's, 82. That's a new paradigm. So that's how, how that rolls. Well, you know, one of the things, um, maybe because Minx, I have had through the years or a family member here or there that when you share something about homeopathy or you share something about something alternative or, or the, you know, the benefit of B12 or guess what Minx and I have discovered now I'm into chicory root, you know, I mean, right. or whatever, <laughs> you know, that can transform your life, put energy in your body. Are you interested? Blah, blah, blah. And they go, Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Mm. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Well, you understand that carbs zap your energy and anybody that's not used to carbs, they have them in the afternoon and it puts you to sleep. 
rather than you saying, I must be old now, I'm tired. No, it's your diet. Oh, I know. And so for a period of time, I used to say your knowing means nothing unless it transforms to your to your growing and then to your showing. Otherwise, it's just, as my friend would say, a glorified uh, happy hour. And that was a bit, <laughs> you know, about it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that's so true. And that's such a strong point that that you make. It, it's it's not enough to know it. It's to be it, to learn how to let it be and in your life it's that's what it is so much about so where i want to respond to that is by going back to the book and talking about how the title came because it came from paying attention which is what we're talking about right you go from knowing to allowing growing and then showing up So the four aspects, the four G's as I call them, gratitude, gusto, grit, and grace, came about because I started to think about these various ah ahas and the various stages of my life. And they they self-organized. You know, when you take a deeper look and you look, what's the pattern underneath the randomness of all these nice ah aha moments that I've had? They fall into one or more of those four categories. And they have become my anchors in life. It's like where I'm living from now, the platform that I'm standing from every day. Have I shown up with gratitude? Have And how have I specifically expressed that gratitude? First of all, I write in a gratitude journal every single night before I go to sleep, and I actually send it to a friend of mine in California who reads it first thing in the morning. Uh, and then she sends me back hers. So I stay accountable for what I'm grateful for. Then the gusto is whatever we're doing, be totally present, be there. Do it with, with absolute joy and enthusiasm. Pull that up because that energy is what inspires others. The grit piece is kind of, it's like grit when necessary. Sometimes success is on the other side of being tenacious and focused and gritty And we need to, the knowing isn't doing, it's pulling us into the what do we need to do, whatever grittiness we need to pick up in order to be able to do that and show up powerfully. And then the grace is being open to receive everything, to receive the serendipities, to receive the messages. Have you ever had a book? Someone mentions a book, and then you're in a bookstore, and you see that book, and then you're somewhere else, and one falls on your head, literally, or someone is in, this, in, a, in a store holding on to it, and then you go, maybe I'm meant to read that book. You know, maybe if, if the universe is really trying to get my attention, maybe I should be paying attention and accept that as a gift of grace that the universe has given me a message more than once if I wasn't paying attention the first time, and just be, be totally grateful that it's shown up. And it's happened so many times for me that I've been graced beyond what I could have imagined. Even like when writing my first poetry, one of my poetry books. So I had been writing for a long time. And I write this amazing poem and I kind of look up at the heavens. It's five o'clock in the morning, which is when I tend to write. And I say, oh my God, I can't do any better than this. And God, I self-published four books of poetry. I'm not doing that again. So if you want it out in the world, 
thy will be done, please just show me. And a week later, I happened to be in New York at a synagogue because of my cousin brother, and the rabbi knows my poetry, and he says, come read something to the congregation, which I do. I always have my poetry books with me. And a young man afterwards said, my mother would love your poetry. Well, his mother is the founder of um, Blue Mountain Arts. So he sent, I give him the book. He gives it to his mom. And his mom calls me and says, my son's right. I love your work. You have, you've got to come write for us. That was so in the realm, going back to what we were talking about earlier, of what I didn't even know I didn't even know. And yet I was graced because the time was right and I was open. So something happens in that spaciousness when we're willing to create it for ourselves and for each other. You and I have created the space for each other I love for the, years. <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't mean to talk on top of you. No, that's um, okay. I, I love the um, one of the uh, writings on your on your website. The Spanish word for sunflower is is it girasol? Girasol, mm -hmm. yeah. Which means turning toward the sun. Perhaps we can take a lesson from nature and learn to continually turn toward the sun, no matter the clouds and storms that temporarily block our access as a way to resource our energy and be replenished in the process. That's so powerful. Mm. And there are so many ways to turn toward the sun, especially, so for example, I wound up speaking at a conference in Minnesota for, the, for Saging International based on my book. And I met all these extraordinary elders who were doing great work in the world. So I got to know them and I took the courses that they were offering. And then they said to me, why don't you come teach for us because you obviously know how to facilitate programs. And so I did so by turning one step toward the sun, toward people who are actually becoming activists to deal with the crises of our time, the next step was shown to me that I just needed to make that turn. And then the light showed me the way. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Well, I know your book has been out a, a while. Have you been getting some feedback that you go, wow, that was made it all worthwhile? Oh, I get feedback all the time, which I love from that. And also I send out a, a balance point newsletter every other week and I get tons of comments back on that. It's a, such a labor of love for me to be doing that, to keep positive thoughts coming out into the world. So with the book, what's happened is one of the things I am now doing is teaching a course called Chronicling Wisdom, Blessings, Memories, so that because we all have them. It's not just me. I've got some great ones, but I've never sat down with someone who in the course of the first 10 minutes of just asking a couple of good questions I don't get to hear, I, I will automatically always get to hear something about their own life and their own ahas and their own moments of grace and gratitude and gusto. It's, it's there for us. And so as I'm teaching this course now to invite other people to please take the time to write down or to in some way share. It, if you're not a writer, then, then do it by audio. Record it in one way or another. But share what you know. We all have wisdom, and we never know 
when it's going to impact someone. You had said to me when I first got up to learn how to speak, trust that there is someone in that audience. You don't have to know who or why, but someone will be blessed, will benefit from whatever it is you have to share. And you just trust that. And you don't ever have to figure out who. So as my book ripples out, in some cases I know because people write me back and said, oh my goodness, the story about ABC made such a difference. And sometimes they may never know. It doesn't matter. It's just putting my energy out there in the most loving and in some ways I want to use the word ferocious in the most positive sense of the word, the ferocious way I know. Absolutely. And people may pick it up again and read it five years from now and be in a different way transformed or have an aha moment that that attaches with it a, a bit of a um, an action step or a change. We just, we just never, never know. No. You know, I mean, that's what I love about your books is I keep them somewhere close by a coffee table or something that I can just pick up and open a page and go. Uh, I love to do that a lot, actually. You know, just open a page and go, what is my, what is my page today? Uh, because mm-hmm. people that uh, <clears throat> are with me and the activeness of my life as a spiritual leader know that a lot of times some of the books I I ask you to share your book notes with me. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, so that's just another area that Minx is known for is she takes thorough notes of every book that she's read. And she has a library books the size of, you know, most buildings. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> well, the other thing is, I'm a visual. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but I'm a visual learner. So how I learn is I write down, I'll very often take a book apart and outline it so that I can understand the author's journey. The other thing I do, and I, 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 at the beginning of my book, I invite people, please scribble in this book. Please turn down the corners of pages. Please put post-it notes inside. Comment, write back, you know, talk to me. through your own, Say what comes up for you when you read something like that. Each chapter or each little vignette has at the end some questions just to, to prompt your own knowings. The whole point of as we learn, it's like, so what does that mean to us? What does that do for us? How can we shift because of that awareness? So I'm always asking that in the book. That's just a coach approach. I don't have anybody's answers. That's for sure. What I do have is I have really good questions. That's what coaching is about. That's what this book is about. It's an opportunity to read something and then be asked questions that inspire your own knowing so that you can you can pull it up from deep within you and say, oh, that's something I know for sure. I love Oprah Winfrey's What I Know For Sure. We all know things for sure, or at least for sure in the moment. That doesn't mean they can't change, but we all know things for sure. And we need to share them and share how we know them and why they, what they mean to us and how we act and who we become because of what we know. So the knowing, with, we're back to that knowing without doing, is meaningless. It's the knowing for the, for, the, for the purpose of what do we want to do? Who do we want to become with that new knowing? And we're all learning new things every day. I hope that everyone who's listening today has had at least one aha that they want to kind of mull around afterwards. I do too. And just the importance and value of, of having someone 
share a higher reflection of yourself than sometimes when one is in the midst of forgetting that or you have just like a a temporary block or you feel for the moment you've been put in the silent witness protection program or something (laughs) like who am I you know what am I supposed to be and the value of of using a coach and and having someone um, that holds the space because you know it's like we've we've heard so many times you're already building your life for those of you that are listening you are already building your life based on the answers you've already told yourself Mm. and if you're 200 percent happy and joyous with that the majority of the time aside from the common uh, part of being a human that you're disappointed or you're sad or you know you have challenges we all do in a human suit but if for the most part you're happy with parts of your life but then you have a level of discontentment it's because you want to attract someone in your life a coach someone that can ask you questions that you haven't asked before because that's going to give you answers to a new direction that you haven't been before that's what it really is is all about and that's been something for me minx i know you live by that i live by that I surround myself with people that are direct, that will say, are you sure this is where you want to go, Um, that will probe me and ask me these kind of things, or learn to ask myself. You know, my question each week is, how can I replace myself from a Mm. space of doing, not I don't want to replace myself like, uh, you know, I'm going for 150, I'm very happy living on the planet, it's not about that. How do I replace myself? How can somebody else enjoy these action steps I'm taking this week and have a whole lot more fun doing it than I am right now? And it's a, <laughs> it is a life map. It has transformed my life. It's why I can run circles around 30-year-olds and I never, you know, breathe heavy because I just got it. The energy is there. It's about invite other people in to... To partner, to hold hands, none of us does any of this alone. It's so important to recognize that when we feel overwhelmed, to just remember that. And it's also there are times to take a step back. One of the things that flashed into my mind while we were talking, and you know this well, is three years ago I broke my wrist and it required two major surgeries, my dominant wrist, so I couldn't write, I couldn't drive, I couldn't do much of anything, and it was right around when this book was going to come out, but I couldn't do it. I just had to stop. And so eventually I asked, so what is it that I'm meant to learn so that I can show up more powerfully than ever before? And goodness knows it happened. I wound up at that conference. And from that conference, I wound up doing Elders Action Network because I was looking for what's meaningful now. Well, saving the planet is meaningful now, making a difference in social justice. And I found these people who were already doing it. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I just had to join with people who were like-minded and like-hearted. And as soon as I was open to that, they showed up in my life. And I invite everyone, just notice who's on the periphery, who's waiting to show up in your life if you just turn toward them like Mirasol, like turning toward the sun. How do we do that again and again? Stay awake enough. You just gave me a, a, a great idea for a next show, and so we can arrange that with our, with our producer, Andrea. It's, um, it's Finding the Good and Goodbye. And um, so I want to do that show with you um, because it 
it, it certainly is uh, the attributes of lifelong grieving and, you know, those kind of things, but also how to say goodbye in your mind, which doesn't mean a physical goodbye. I, oh, I just, I'm getting all kind of goosebumps of how profound that oh, would be. Love it. You taught me that, and I want to publicly pass that on to others of how to do that, uh, because it has transformed my life, uh, hundreds and hundreds of moments of my life, is the okayness to entertain the place that it's okay to to say goodbye. And so let's do that show, and um, those okay. of you stay tuned in to find out when Minks will be on. Again, Finding the Good and Goodbye we can uh, bring forth some wonderful ideas for you that will put a lot of life in your body and give you a lot of energy that uh, I, I guarantee you. And speaking of goodbye, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> this is the fastest <laughs> show I think I've ever done. Like, blah, 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 blah. But uh, <laughs> I just uh, love all that you're about. And um, I am one of your biggest fans, um, probably except Mel and your son. Your husband and your son. I'm just all about being a cheerleader for you. Uh, you are uh, such a gift. And for those of you tuning in, go to coachminks.com. She does a blog, her writing, um, as she said, every two weeks. She has poetry. She has all different kind of just a wealth of of information. And tune in to what we're doing here at uh, templehaze.com. Uh, illy.org. We have a university online. We do all kind of programs, credentialing and licensing. Moon, um, moon. Minx will be there <laughs> maybe under the next moon. I don't know where that came from, but Minx Born will be one of our educators and um, we're holding a space for her to do future endeavors with us. We have lots of activity or join us at firstunity.org. Uh, Minx, do you have a last sentence or two you'd like to leave us with? Oh, just stay alive. Stay vitally alive. Keep looking. Keep knowing that if you're looking, whatever you're looking for is looking for you and it will show up. Just pay attention. And don't ever allow anyone's opinion to you be the map of your life. Absolutely. Unless it's a great one like yours. <laughs> Your opinion of me and my opinion of you. We have cheered each other on. I wrote a whole book called Friendship is a Journey. And a lot of it's about us. So oh, yeah. hold on to your I've, friends absolutely, and let them support you. Absolutely. If it's positive and, and shows a space greater than yourself, go for it. But don't ever let anybody's limited opinion. Remember, they're not even talking about you at that point. They're talking about the fears they carry. Thank you, Mink Spore, and thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, 
I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.